Praise God, praise God, praise God. What a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere that's in this place in Jesus' name. Youth Department, we'll go ahead and let you guys go. I know you've got a lot to accomplish back there this morning. And God be with you in Jesus' name, the rest of you. Um, we're going to pray here in just a few minutes, and we're going to believe God for some good things in Jesus' name. It says it, I don't know if it says it, uh, I know it says it there in the fifth chapter of the book of Luke, um, uh, when it talks about Jesus being in a meeting or being in a place where he was preaching and that type of thing. But it makes mention of the fact that the power of the Lord was there to heal people. Amen. Other places, there's other places where it says that everybody that came to Jesus was healed. Amen. And so I believe that there's a special anointing in this place for that. And I'm not just talking about physical healing. I'm talking about things like, like perspective, the way we've been looking at things, the way that we've been trying to figure things out. I believe within seconds, God can just change that paradigm. And he can help us to shift into what his mode is in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? I think it really all comes down to the fact that what your will be done, God, and not mine. So when we begin to pray in this kind of a vein, I believe anything can happen. I really do. I'm not telling God what to do. That would be really a mistake. But I, I, I don't have a problem with telling God what I know he can do in Jesus' name. And so why don't you do this? Let's begin to pray. We're going to take about 30 seconds to a minute. We're going to take our time and just lift up both of those hands now unashamedly and in confidence and come to the Lord right now. And you just put it in your own words. Come on. I can pray for you. I can do all of those kind of things, but I believe it comes down to the fact that what do we believe in the name of Jesus? Come on, I believe God is here. If you need him to do something, why don't you get specific? Come on, supplications are what he gives us permission to give him. And that's just saying, God, I need you to do this. I need you to, to touch me. Yes, come on, I believe there's some faith in this place in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, do you feel that rising in this place? In the name of Jesus. Come on, I believe that God is, is on the throne. I believe he's here to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. Come on, that's just scripture. That's just the way he, he wants us to believe in the name of Jesus. There you go. There you go. Somebody's tapping in right now. Come on, just stay in that vein right now. You believe God, no matter what the, what the prognosis is. You believe God, no matter what anybody's telling you right now. I believe that great faith starts with just doing what God tells us to do. I believe great faith is just believing in what God says. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, right now, in the name of Jesus, touch us. Oh, strengthen us, Lord God, in this place. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, you are the one. You are the everlasting. You are the king of kings. Come on, we got time. Come on, we can, we can go into his presence with that kind of confidence. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, praise God. Yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord God, have your way here today. Let your word and spirit have free course in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Yes, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I, I need to get something out of the way here, just if I can, if you would permit me. Um, the ladies, sir, uh, many of our ladies are going to be leaving this afternoon to go on a retreat. They're going over to the Black Hills, and they're going to spend a few days um, uh, kind of doing their own thing. Can the men say amen? amen? Praise God. I have a freezer full of tombstone pizzas, so I'm okay. Um, but the bottom line is I, I really believe this is ordained of God. I believe that God has got something for every person that goes in Jesus' name. Um, if you would, a couple of you ladies, would you go back and lay hands on Sister Carnahan? She's um, not the only one that's been heading this up, but she has got a lot on her plate right now. And I want you just to pray for her right now and pray for yourselves. Let's pray for our ladies, and let's ask the Lord to help her in the help her and all of our ladies in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe in specifics. I believe that your word gives us that, that kind of a, uh, a way to do things in Jesus' name. And Lord, touch our ladies. Strengthen them today in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord God, let them feel the holy unction of the Lord. Yes, the holy unction of God in the name of Jesus. God, I'm believing that. I'm believing you to do that in the name of Jesus. Praise God. I'm believing you to do that in the name of Jesus. Every one of them, God, to be refreshed. Even those that can't go, Lord God, they're going to feel the lingering effects of this. That whenever the church gets together and, 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 and intentionalizes things like this, I believe that you can do all kinds of things. And Lord God, I believe our ladies need, Lord God, to be refreshed, need to be renewed, and they need to know, Lord God, that you are their God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise God. Amen. Can you just clap your hands to the Lord and thank Him? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much, so much. You can be seated. The Lord bless you. We welcome you to this service today. Um, just in case I don't get to it, I'll, I'll say it now. Yes, we will be having services here tonight. Anybody that's left in town is sure welcome to come. And so we will begin that service tonight with prayer, of course. And you're welcome to, to join us in the prayer room. I believe that God does great things. Amen. A lot of the um, preliminary things that need to get taken out of the way are, um, are literally, they're, 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 um, they're happening in our prayer room in Jesus' name. And so keep those things in mind. We have calendars out there if you want to know what's going on in the church um, at, 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 um, at in, in, in any given time. Praise God, you're welcome to take one of those. They're out there in the foyer in Jesus' name. I have a book that I read from time to time. It's kind of a devotional that I, le that I use. It's called Thorns and Crowns. It's by a man named Gary Erickson. He used to be, at one time, he was the United Pentecostal Church uh, General um, uh, Children's Ministry leader. And I have always enjoyed his writings. Um, like many of our UPC ministers, or, um, yeah, he just has the gift to communicate in Jesus' name. And so I appreciate that. But he has got a, a, an interesting story that I just wanted to kind of start off with this morning. And the title of it is it's called When Geese Fly Backwards. Anybody ever seen geese fly backwards? I haven't either. Okay, listen to this. I think this is... Um, it's kind of cool. 2,000 years ago, the prosperous Han Dynasty ruled ancient China. I wasn't around and neither were you, but this dynasty is viewed by many to be the greatest period, or one of the greatest periods in Chinese history. 
Chinese scholars compiled a series of writings called the 21 Histories, which is an official biography of each dynasty, including stories, statistics, war chronicles, and so on. In a, in a chapter of that book called Unusual Events, um, there are descriptions of earthquakes, floods, and other natural occurrences. They documented this stuff, okay? In addition to the, these normal phenomena are bizarre manifestations, such as geese flying backwards, two-headed sheep, stars suddenly appearing in different parts of the sky, and so on. The natural disasters now can be verified. But what could, uh, what could these weird insertions mean? Well, let me, like Paul Harvey, give you the rest of the story, okay? All right. The Chinese emperor was considered the center of the universe. That's what they considered him. And a force of nature. Everything in the universe, they thought, revolved around him and his decisions. So you can understand how important this guy was, okay? Well, to criticize the emperor was equivalent to criticizing divine order. And no minister or courier dared to question the emperor. Do you understand what we're talking about here? These kind of uh, dictatorships, okay? Yeah, no minister did that, praise God. They didn't question him. And since the emperor was a fallible human being, he was not infallible. He was fallible. Errors in judgment, you know, naturally occurred from time to time. And these ministers and these couriers knew it. They knew he was making a mistake. Well, so what they would do is they'd insert these sightings of strange phenomena into the court chronicle, and it was the only way to warn the lofty leader. That was the way that they used. When the empire, or the empire, the emperor would read that geese were flying backwards or the moon was out of orbit or, or he would realize that he was being cautioned by nature to correct his course. Isn't that wisdom? I think it is too. The Han emperors must have lived under extreme pressure attempting to lead the empire with flawless precision. Not allowing criticism may have been a comfortable arrangement to some degree, but it forced the scribes to lie, literally put things in those chronicles to correct their king. These chronicles really are kind of left to our amusement. Now, what I'm, the reason I read that this morning is because we have to be careful. God is all the time trying to communicate with his people. There's no question about it. And I don't think that we're going to wake up some morning and geese are going to begin to fly backwards and that type of thing. But it's amazing to me what it takes for some people for God to get their attention. I don't know about you, but one of my ongoing endeavors is I want God to very easily be able to get my attention. If I'm not doing something right, if I'm going off course, um, if I, you know, maybe I, I'm, I'm watching something or reading something or doing something that really, you know, isn't going to be beneficial or get me any closer to God, I want God to be able to give me a warning in Jesus' name. And I believe he will. I really do. I believe one of the, um, the first guards that God puts into our lives is something called the conscience. I really do. We sometimes call it the still small voice. And I believe that God uses that method, praise God. And one of the things that I found personally um, since I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. I don't worship tongues, but I thank God for a sign that I got it. 
Amen. What I have found because of the Holy Ghost that God can help me to become more sensitive to what he's saying and what he's doing in Jesus' name. That's why I can't understand why people resist this thing called the baptism of the Holy Ghost or try to dispel it or try to say it's, it was for back then and it isn't for now. I'm not here to win an argument. I'm just here to say that all of us need fair warning from time to time. All of us need God to be able to tap us on the shoulder and say, listen, don't go down that road. You take it back here and go down this road, and things are going to be a whole lot better off for you in Jesus' name. Now, that's a loving, gracious God that loves everybody. That's not a God that's trying to manipulate people. That's not a God that's trying to make you do whatever he wants to do. You've got to understand, he's God. He's not some Chinese emperor. He's not somebody that's just trying to get his way. God created the universe. Come on, you and I, we understand that we don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. Come on, and I'm telling you right now, I am so glad that God doesn't have to cause some phenomena in the sky to get our attention. That through the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the means of a conscience that's been turned over to God, God can speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Now again, I know we've been doing a lot of praying here this morning, but I'm going to pray for every person in this room, even those that are on the internet with us, that your conscience will begin to become alive. That it will begin to hear the things that God wants you to hear in Jesus' name. And just like Mary, when she was in that place place where they needed wine, where they were, where she was at the wedding, she was invited, and she knew who Jesus was. She knew what Jesus could do, but the rest of them didn't. And all she did was say one thing, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And she had no idea what he was going to do. And I don't have any idea sometimes what God's going to tell individuals. But I do know that God loves you, and God isn't in the business of making geese fly backwards. God is in the business of quickening and awakening your conscience in Jesus' name. Do you want that to happen right now? Come on, lift up your hands right now in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this service. This has been just phenomenal. The things that have been happening here, Lord God, God, are ordained of you in Jesus' name. Now, Lord God, I just pray right now for a refreshing to come through this place. Let the baptism of the Holy Ghost just be awakened in every person here that has it, and those that do not have it yet, I just pray that they'll receive it in the name of Jesus, that there will be none, Lord God, that have to go on this, this day, praise God any different in the name of Jesus. That's it, Lord God. Touch. Come on. I feel again faith. There is just a tremendous surge of faith in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, what do you say by faith? We just begin to, to praise the Lord. Can we do that? Praise God, praise God. I've kind of wrestled with this all morning. I didn't know if I was going to use this example, but I think I'm going to be okay, praise God, at the risk of sounding a little bit carnal. Um, um, and again, I'm just using this as an example, okay? Somebody smile at me and say you're going to be okay. 
Okay. All right. Because you never know. You know, some people can take things the wrong way. But back in, uh, in, in 1963 and 64, I, re I don't remember all that went on, but I do know that I remember a group that came onto the scene um, just a few months after President Kennedy was killed. I, that is, you know, you talk about 9-11, and I do remember where I was during that time. Uh, that time when, when President Kennedy was assassinated, I remember where I was too, and I remember them shutting down all the schools. I remember that the nation was just in shock. I mean, it was just something. We had never had anything like that happen for a long time in our country, and, and I'm not here to predict those things. That's God's business, and I believe he will let us know in the spirit. But there are sometimes there are things that just happen, that just kind of quicken us and awaken us. But I remember the Beatles, and again, I'm not here to put any glory on them. I, I'm not, but I do remember as a, a young um, uh, a child, or not child, but a kid, and uh, growing into teenage years, and I remember the influence that they had. It was just tremendous. It really was. I mean, and you can say right, wrong, or indifferent, but they really did. The music scene was was changed after they came on, and, and um, I'm not going to sit here and say they were ordained of God, but a few of their songs, I have to say, kind of had a little bit of prophetic meaning. Yeah. It did. I remember one of them in particular, and it was of Paul McCartney probably. He wrote this, and it's, uh, Can't Buy Me Love. And, I, and I, you probably don't remember it, and it's probably a good thing that you don't. But let me read uh, some of this, you know, uh, to you. It says, I'll buy you a diamond ring, my friend, if it makes you feel all right. No, I'm not going to sing it. It's just, I, <laughs> I am not. I don't care how intimidating she looks at me. I am not going to sing this. It says, if, I'll get you anything, my friend, if it makes you feel all right, because I don't care too much for money, because money can't buy me love. And then it goes on to say, can't buy me love. Everybody tells me so. Can't buy me love. No, 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 no. Say you don't need no diamond rings, and I'll be satisfied. Tell me that you want the kind of things that money just can't buy. I don't care too much for money, because money can't buy me love. Now, again, you can do what you want with that song. I just thought it was kind of cute. It just came to my mind here last week, and I thought I'd just use it kind of as an illustration. But today, in the remaining few minutes that I have here today, I want to talk about some things that you can't buy with money. See, today, you know, we talk about idolatry, and, you know, rightly so, it's, it's very, very rampant in, in, a, in a lot of our world, and sometimes we think of idolatry of people who fall down in front of statues and people who um, will burn incense to things and so on and so forth, and we think of third world countries, but you must understand, we live in one of the most idolatry-filled countries in the world, and I'm not anti-American, folks, I'm just telling you where we're at Amen. We live in a world, praise God, that really has made a lot of things hard for us. It really has. And it's because a lot of times that's what we put as the top of our totem pole or at the top of our priority is money. We just say, hey, everything revolves around that. You know, it's kind of like the dynasty in China. You know, everything revolved around that emperor, praise God. And even in some places in the world today, there are dictatorships like that. Amen. God never designed for that to happen, praise God. Yours and my world is supposed to revolve around him. Come on, that's really what it's supposed to be. And I'm not talking about a God that puts you into poverty and, and causes you never to have anything and stuff like that. You're looking at a person that has never been so rich. And I'm not talking about material things, folks. I am talking about spiritual things. 
I was fortunate to come into this thing when I was 22 years of age. And I'm going to tell you something, that's almost 44 years ago, praise God. And I don't regret any moment of that. God has really helped me out. Now, again, I don't want you to get the wrong impression. I'm not a perfect uh, uh, example. You're just looking at somebody who got on the journey, and I'm going to stay on the journey in Jesus' name. But I'm going to tell you something, just like I spoke about before. I don't want God to have to, you know, have some phenomenal thing happen in the sky. I want God to be able to tap me on the shoulder. I want God to be able to speak to me and say, listen, you're getting a little too serious with this thing in your life. And I got a feeling I'm talking to some people here today that God is not condemning. What God is trying to do is to help you He's trying to help you to understand, praise God, that He's your heavenly Father. He really does care for you, and He loves you, praise God. He doesn't want to see you go into some pitfalls that will take weeks and months and sometimes years to get out of. God wants you to learn quickly, praise God. And I believe if we can really begin to see some things in our life and begin to see them for face value, praise God, I believe it really will help us in Jesus' name. Let's look at some scripture here real quickly. Look at the third chapter of the book of Acts. The, book, the third chapter of the book of Acts. And I, I'm telling you, I, I, I thank God for his word. I appreciate it. I am uh, um, um, a licensed member of a um, you know, of, a, uh, of a, a tremendous organization. And I probably picked the wrong time to say what I'm saying here this morning. I mean, I just got the annual or part of the annual report. Our, our general conference is happening here in a month. I probably won't go. But the bottom line is, you know, they were, they were celebrating the fact that the United Pentecostal Church has got more assets right now than they ever have before. Over $150 million. That's a lot of money. I'm going to write them a letter and tell them we need a new building. I won't. But the bottom line is, I thank God for these things that are growing. And some of this has happened because of just natural things. Amen. You know, and I'm not here to say how long it's going to last and that type of thing. But one of the things that really doesn't, um, uh, you know, that doesn't concern me is the fact that I know that God doesn't need money to make this thing happen. This is one thing that God has got to tap us on the shoulder on a regular basis. Not by might. Not by power but by my spirit. That's what God predicted in the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament. Now, that was hundreds of years before the baptism of the Holy Ghost was poured out. But God was letting us know plenty of time that he's already got a method. He's already got a way. I've, I've had to talk to people over the years. I do teach and preach tithing, and I'm not here to do that this morning, but some people get real nervous when you do this, saying, well, you're just trying to get our money. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to get you blessed. Because sometimes that's the very thing that God has to tap us on the shoulder and say, come on, let go of some of that. Come on, don't you trust me? And really that's what tithing is, folks. It's really not something that God's trying to, to mess up your bank account. He's just trying to get you to trust in him. And how many here today have found that God is a supplier of those things? Come on, can you say amen to that? I'm telling you the truth, praise God. Money can't buy these things. Come on, and you and I, well, do you want to agree with Paul McCartney about the rest of the stuff he's written? I do agree with him with that one. 
Praise God. The praise God. Money can't buy us love. Money can't do the things that we want it to do. If that was the case, God would have absolutely opened up the vaults in this earth and he'd have just poured it out. Praise God. But too many times, what that does is that brings greed, that brings, you know, selfish ambitions, and a lot of that stuff God doesn't want to deal with. That's why, in my opinion, sometimes that's not where you're going to find it in Jesus' name. Look at the third chapter of the book of Acts. I really appreciate the book of Acts because it's kind of a blueprint, you know. It teaches us what, what Jesus passed on to his disciples, and I think it's cool. One of the neat places in the, is in the third chapter of the book of uh, Acts, and I'm going to start in verse number one. It says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple it says, at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Praise God. They were going up there about in the afternoon, and they were praying, just on their way to prayer. And the Bible says in verse number two, it says, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried upon, it says, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. They didn't have a welfare system back then, so basically they were just left to beg. If they didn't have anything, they just had to go out there and hopefully there was some uh, uh, person who'd have compassion upon them would put money in the cup. How would you like to have a livelihood like that? I wouldn't either. I thank God for good health. I walked around this building this morning and thanked him for the air conditioner. I thanked him for the heater when we're going to need it. I thank God for doors. I thank God for the carpet. You call me nuts if you want. But folks, for, for, for a little while, God emphasized to me, who really gave this to you? Where did all of this come? And you don't worship this stuff, praise God. You worship me. And I'm going to tell you something. God and I had a good time here, you know, a couple hours before you got here. And I'm going to tell you something, I like that. That's, that's how I serve God. I want Him to talk to me. I don't want to just pray prayers and start spitting things into the, into, the, uh, into the air and say, oh God, I guess I got an hour in or whatever. No, I want God to be able to talk to my heart. Can somebody say amen? And I believe one of the things that He will tell us, praise God, is that there's things that I want you to do. And so the Scripture says in verse number 3, who's seeing Peter and John. Now this guy who's been sitting here for quite a while in this dilemma, he sees Peter and John, praise God, and about to go into the temple, and he asked an alms. That's what he did for everybody. He was asking them for money. That's what he was doing. Maybe they should have got into that song, you know. Can't buy me love. <laughs> praise God. But Peter, praise God, and I believe it's the, it's the unction of the Lord. Folks, I believe there are people that are ready to receive what God has for them. Amen. This is what brings about great faith, by the way. It really does. Somebody said great faith can be defined by just doing what God tells you to do. Just be obedient to what he says. That's what demonstrates great faith. And I don't know how it works all the time. I, man, I remember when I, early on when I was in this thing and a few things would work in a prayer meeting and stuff, I'd come back the next day and do the exact same thing. You call me what you want, but man, I'm telling you something. I want something from God. But I realize that he's the author and the finisher of it, so I just have to be faithful. A lot of what God wants from me in faith is faithfulness. The faith to move mountains is his deal. That's why Jesus said if you could believe on him and have, the, have a grain of mustard seed of faith of God. Now, not your own, but God. Man, alive things could really happen. And I believe they do. I believe in this service today, I believe there has been some mountains moved. 
I really do. And I just pray that your eyes will be open to the fact that you will walk that way that God wants you to walk. And so here's this guy. He is, he, he, you know, he's sitting there. He's, he's begging for money. And the Bible says, you know, Peter finally fastening, or the Bible says, fixed his eyes upon him with John and said, look on us. Look at me. You ever had somebody do that to you? Yeah, I have. And then the Bible says, Peter, it says, and he gave heed unto them expecting. Now, I don't know exactly what that looked like, but I have seen it before. I've seen it at an altar. I've seen it in prayer meetings. I've seen it in Bible studies, that all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord was there, and people could get healed. And there was some expectation in the place in Jesus' name. Now, in my opinion, we got to get back to that simplicity. Amen. That's, again, not telling God what to do. It's just expecting that he's doing something. Praise God. And look at what happens here. The first thing that Peter says is that silver and gold have I none. Amen. It says, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you know what happened there? He did. And I'm going to tell you something, you could have, you could have spent a million dollars on billboards. You could have got out, you know, uh, millions of dollars worth of radio ads. You could have, man, you could have just, you know, done it all. You could have bought an airline. You could have done all kinds of things to try to advertise this, praise God. But nobody could do it like God could. And this is what I'm trying to say, praise God. God has his own way of revealing himself to people. And a lot of the times that God does it, not all the time, but a lot of the it's not with geese flying backwards, by the way. He's not interested in that kind of phenomena. What he's interested in is touching human beings. Come on, those of you that are part of the Wednesday night class, and in fact, let me just take about 15 seconds and say, come to church on Wednesday nights. We're going through a series of lessons that I think is, is going to be phenomenal for everybody, praise God. We've been talking about the creation, praise God. And then this week we talked about the redemptive plan. That God, even when mankind fell, he already had a plan in place. I want to let somebody know in this room right now that no matter what you're going through, God's got a plan in place in the name of Jesus. He knows what he's doing. He understands exactly what's going on. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you'll allow him to talk to you and shift you a little bit and move you into position, I'm going to tell you something. There are some things from the heavenly realm that will begin to pour into your heart, that will begin to pour into your family, that will begin to pour into your home in the name of Jesus. Come on, can you lift up your hands right now? Come on, can you say, God, I want to start expecting this. I want to start expecting you to do great things. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, one of the most phenomenal teachers because, you know, Jesus was a man. He was a human being just like you and I. But the divine spirit dwelt in him. That's what made him able to walk up to a grave and call the guy by a name and he would come out. That's what caused him to take five loaves and two fishes and break them and, 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 and they became just amazing to defeat thousands. That was God. 
Amen. And so you and I must understand that, praise God. One of the teachings that he gave, and you can find this in the 4th, the 8th, and the 16th, or I'm sorry, the 4th chapter of the book of Mark, the 8th chapter of the book of Luke, and the 16th chapter, uh, yeah, is it 16th? No, the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew. You can find that sower in the seed. Many of you are familiar with that. But Jesus talked about that. But one of the hindrances that Jesus said would come is not just the stony ground or the hard ground. He said the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. That's what Jesus said would trip us up from time to time. So there doesn't, it, there, you know, it doesn't, it, do, it makes no mistake about it that God is going to tap us on our shoulders with that. Because that's what yours and my world is really all about. We live in a corporate America. And even the poorest among us has got more than, you know, vast majority of the people in the world. And so this is where we're at. And I'm not here to condemn finances. I'm not here to tell you to go home and write out a check and that type of thing. I'm just here to help you to understand that in your conscience, God can begin to tap on you and say, hey, let's take a different perspective here. Why don't you start looking at my perspective? One of the perspectives that Jesus looked at constantly was the long haul. That's why he told people like you and I that lived during his time, Seek, seek the, the things of God. Seek the things in heaven. Put up treasures in heavenly places that moths and, and rust and all of that business don't get to. And my goodness, you know, I'm sure people looked at him a lot of times like people look at me when I preach like this. They're going, where is he coming from? What's the matter with him? Well, I'm telling you something, praise God. Money can't buy me love. Money can't buy me these things. And this is what I'm remembering, constantly remembering, praise God, that God wants to keep sowing that seed in my life in Jesus' name. I only got a few minutes left, praise God, used up a lot of my time and other things, but let me tell you a story in the Bible here that maybe will help you in Jesus' name. Look at Mark chapter number 10. This story that we're going to look at here is found in a couple of other places, but just like the Gospels, there are some of the Gospels, for whatever reason, it explains them just a little bit better. And that's why I love to read all the Gospels. I believe they're all of value in Jesus' name. And this story in the 10th chapter of the book of um, Mark is a real story. This actually happened. This thing was just something that happened during the time of Jesus' ministry. And so you and I, we can take it to the spiritual bank, okay? Well, look at Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 17. The scripture says, and when he was gone forth in the way, it says, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? That's an excellent question in my opinion. I remember when I got, first came into a church like this. One of the reasons I came into a church like this is because I found out about two weeks before that, or actually about a year before that, I wasn't saved. And I'm not here to, to, you know, to make you feel bad or anything like that, but I, I went to some groups of people and they said, well, you just accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Well, I did that. I was making record time. I was accepting Jesus as my personal Savior on an average of 30 to 35 times a day. I was. Every time I made a mistake, I just said, oh, God, I accept you, you know. And I mean, I was becoming neurotic, 
And finally, I, you know, I come to the Lord, you know, and we always do usually at the last resort. I said, God, we got to do something about this. So I was working at John Deere second shift, and he sends this guy. His name was Barry Cliff, and he, I never met the guy before in my life. And he come up to me, and I was talking to a mutual friend that him and I had. And all of a sudden, Barry looks at me, and he says, have you been baptized? No. Well, I was when I was a little baby, but that's, you know, beside the point. He says, oh, did you not know that the Bible teaches you that you need to be baptized? Boy, the first shot, shot out, of the, out of the cannon was I got mad at him, got upset. And you know how stupid we are? Let me tell you how stupid I am, okay? You know, I went for the next probably eight to ten months to try to disprove him. I thought, buddy, I'm going to go into this Bible, and I'm going to find so many verses that make you look so silly. And you know what happened? Come on, most of you know my story, praise God. I ended up going, what? It's all over the place. And finally, after a year, you know, on an October afternoon, praise God, I was baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins. Glad to do it, praise God. Had not received the Holy Ghost, the pastor who, who baptized me said, you're going to get it. I feel like you had stammering lips. I had no idea what that stuff was. But I thought, well, hey, it isn't bad. It isn't a plague. It isn't measles. You know, I don't have to go to the dentist, you know, that type of thing. It must be great, you know. And so here I am. I'm just doing that. The next Sunday I come to church, and because God helped me to be obedient, he filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the first shot, the, the second service I was in. Isn't that neat? That's God. That ain't money. That's not a corporate idea. That's God's plan. Amen. And that's what God did. And so here comes this guy, and he's running after Jesus. Kneels before him, which shows me he's got a little respect for this guy. And he's asking that $64 million question. What do I got to do to be saved? Well, Jesus said, why callest thou me good? You know, he says, there is none good but one. That is God. That, that's Jesus as a man explaining something here, by the way. And then in verse number 19, thou knowest the commandments. He wasn't talking to somebody who never heard of this stuff. And so the Bible says, well, thou knowest the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Don't steal. You know, don't bear false witness. You know, defraud. Not your, or, or, uh, not and honor your, uh, your father and mother. He's just going down the Ten Commandments there. Well, the guy says here, he says, and he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I absorbed or kept from my youth. Now, I don't know if that was true or not, but he might have been bumping it up a little bit. Like we do, don't we? We do that. Oh, I'm not so bad. You know, that's why we listen to the news so we can find people that are worse than we are. Come on. God's got to help us, folks. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's just how it works. And so Jesus, you know, he answered and said, Master, in verse 20, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Notice that. Jesus is really liking this. You know, I like this guy. You know, and so the scripture says, and he said unto him, but there's one thing. See, if Jesus really likes you, which I hope you hope he does, he's going to tell you some things. He's not going to hold back. He's not going to say, well, keep on doing the stupid stuff you've been doing for the last 35 years, and hey, you're going to be okay. Maybe just by a chance you'll make it to heaven. That's not the God that I serve. The God that I serve, man, he peels away all that veneer. 
And he starts showing me just exactly how arrogant I am. He shows me how much I'm depending on other things other than him. And you know something? 44 years later, he's still doing that. That's why money can't buy me love. I understand that. Praise God. You and I must understand that God has a better plan. And so Jesus says to him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way and sell. He says, whatever or whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. Wow. All in one sermon? You know, we got to take that sermon apart and preach it in about seven or ten different sermons before people get that. But Jesus, because he liked this guy, he said, I'm going to give you both barrels. You know, that's him. That's God. I don't know about you, but I've appreciated both barrels over the years. I thank God that he doesn't play games with me. I thank God that he doesn't tell me what my human spirit wants to hear. I thank God that he will tap on my shoulder and say, listen, you're getting a little too serious about some of this stuff. Amen. And so if the shoe fits, yeah. And then the Bible says the real issue was at hand. Look at verse 22 here. The Bible says, and he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. You see, we all come to God with those kind of ulterior motives. That God, I'll let you in this part of the house, but man, that one right over there, that's mine. You, and, you just leave that alone. And we all negotiate, you know. The only thing that I struggle with more than saints negotiating is with ministers negotiating. And you know something, folks? I used to be a pretty good negotiator. That's just the way it is. We negotiate with God. We do a few good things, and we say, well, God, let's put the pile on this side and then the pile on that side. And that's not what God is looking for. God is looking to restore you to a pre-Adamic type of relationship. He wants to come down and converse with you. He wants to be able to talk with you, praise God. Not just when you're in trouble. Not just when you have all kinds of things that you need. But because of his love and, and, and the love that you're, you're reciprocating back to him. See, this is what God wants to do. Amen. And this is what money can't buy. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how protected you are. You know, Sister Carnahan and I, just to help you understand the world we live in, we're in the midst of putting together a trust. That's what we're doing. We've accumulated a little bit of money. It was the help of God, by the way. Oh, so you know. You know, I'm 50-some years old, 51, 50 years old last week. No, <laughs> but um, no, the longer than that. And I don't have any money. I mean, I might have a few thousand dollars in the bank. And I'm kind of getting, I'm going, God, uh, you know, one of these days I'm not going to be able to fix all these instruments. One of these days, you know, this church is going to throw me out on my ear. And Sister Carnahan, man, she isn't going to like me either. And so I'm going to have, no, I'm just, I'm just building my case. But I said, God, what should I do? And I'll never forget not to be, you know, facetious or funny, but God just said, start saving. And I thought, well, I thought you'd just write me out a check, God, and I'll put that in the bank and we'll just all be okay. No, God just said start saving. And then he emphasized to me several things. One of them, he said, you do your part and I'll do mine. And my part is not to let that money go to my head. I used to think it was I had to save it. No, the real, real, real issue at hand is not to let that money become the thing that I worship. 
That's the beauty, praise God, when you can save under God's plan. And then God told me two things, and he's repeated this many times, and it's applied itself to a lot of things in my life. He said, do the work and stay the course. And wow, every time God tells me that. He told me that again, Sister Carnahan, last week. I hadn't heard that probably for several months. But he told me that again, and I knew exactly what he was saying. See, this is God, full disclosure God, who wants to have access to your and my conscience so he doesn't have to have a bunch of geese fly backwards and then have another person make billions of dollars on a book that they predicted stuff on. See, God wants his people to be fully aware. And I mean no, no criticism on that, folks. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. My God is a real God. He deals with us in the spiritual realm. He's given us a Bible, praise God. Now, here's what I want to help you to understand, and I'm, I'm about done. I'm about done, praise God. I only got 39 more verses to go. No, I'm done, not that many. Okay. Well, the Bible says after this reaction to Jesus' teaching, and I've seen people like that. I have been like that. God has told me something, and I go, oh, that isn't what I wanted to hear. You know, that type of thing. Am I the only one? Come on. I know I'm talking to people. That's exactly what happens. And so we have an opportunity to react to God. How are we going to do that? That's up to you. And really what's going to happen from God is going to really be dependent on that. And so here's this guy. He goes away mad. I hope he got over it. That's all I can say. I hope he got over it. Because the Bible says Jesus used it as a further lesson. Look at verse 23. The scripture says, And Jesus looked around about and saith unto his disciples. He says, um, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Whoa, that one is, I got to empty my bank account. Well, let's read on. Scripture says, And the disciples were astonished at his word. What? But Jesus answered and said, okay, let me qualify this. Children, how hard it is for them that. So your number one goal in life is not to trust it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you can only accumulate this much. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, this is what you've got to do with it. Well, I've, got, I've sat under a few preachers like that. And boy, that didn't work out too good. We've got to let God be God in people's lives. What some people can handle and other people can't, we can't just legislate that. We've got to let the Holy Ghost, we've got to let that first contact God knock on our hearts and say, okay, let's you and I move into this realm now because this is what you need. He wasn't, Jesus wasn't talking to the rest of that crowd. He was talking to the one that really had a problem with it. And that's how God does us. And this is what I want you to see. The Bible says, if you trust in them, you're going to have a hard time. Because Jesus said in one other place, you cannot trust two, people, two masters. You can't do it. It's impossible. And if Jesus said it was impossible, it's impossible. Now, here's what I want you to see. He gave us an illustration. 
And I like it when God gives us an illustration because, man, you can really, really dwell on that. Verse 25 says, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I heard it preached one time. Well, he was talking about the eye of the needle that was in the city. And in the city, there were gates were closed at night, but there was this place, this little place where they could go and really, really carefully, they could, they could wiggle their way through that gate and they could get into it. That is false. All you got to do is look up the word needle there. You know what the word means in, in the Greek? Needle. He's talking about an actual needle there. He's not talking about some little illustration that you and I can make ourselves feel better about. He's talking about the impossibility that it is when you trust in that stuff that you're not going to make it. Now, that's not me saying that. That's Jesus. And you want to know why he's saying that? Because he loves you. And because he has an idea of what eternity really is. He's not trying to mess up your day. He's not trying to get you to trust in false stuff. He's just saying, listen, why don't you let me tap you on the shoulder from time to time, and you and I can keep this thing straight. See, money can't buy us love. Money can't buy us time. Money can't buy us real joy. Money can't buy us salvation. Money can't buy us the Holy Ghost. Check out the 8th chapter of the book of Acts sometime. You're going to find a guy who saw this thing happening, praise God, and he gets out his little wallet and says, man, I want to be able to do this. I'm going to tell you something. Peter rebuked him right in a heartbeat. And that's what God is doing sometimes with us. He's not as crude as we are. Sometimes we just don't have the, you know, the wherewithal that God does. We're trying. I hope every one of us are trying to be more Christ-like. But the bottom line is, folks, sometimes we do things, and it really, really, really isn't. Another place that you can, you can look at it in Scripture, if you want to get into the terms of money, is the 15th chapter of the book of Luke. I won't go there now. My time is up. But, you know, we talk about the prodigal son. And we talk about the fact that, man, I don't know how much that inheritance was. I have no idea. I don't know how much his father, that check was for. But all I know is it ran out. And that's why you and I must understand, no matter how much we accumulate, and I'm not here to say what for. I understand that when I was a kid back in the 50s and the 60s, it didn't take a whole lot of money to live. It just didn't. But all of a sudden, that just accelerated in our economy and in our culture. And I'm not here to say I got the answers. I'm just saying, man, alive, what we got to be concerned with. My goodness, it's amazing. That's why you and I have to be careful that we keep trusting in God, that we don't allow these things to keep us from sleeping at night and allow us to take wrong turns when we should be doing this for God, maybe in making less money, but it'll keep us saved. See, these are the kind of things that God is concerned with. Amen. And so with the prodigal, the money ran out. And what happened to his friends? Yeah, I'm sure most of us in this room have experienced that before. And you see, that's really what it is. Money can't buy those things. Amen. It might prolong the inevitable, praise God, but it literally cannot, praise God. If I had time today, I was going to talk a little bit on pers um, perseverance. And maybe I'll leave that for another time. But this is really something that we as in the church are going to have to really consider in our own lives. Because the temptations are so real. Every day we're being bombarded by a world that is advertising 
this is what you need, this is what you got to do, and all of that kind of business. And you could just instruct people the simple way, just turn off the internet. But I've learned that most people can't do that now because they've got other things that they need that for. So what you and I have to do is we have to begin to discipline ourselves and condition ourselves in the things of God. And one of the things that I'm asking God to help me with in muscles is I'm asking God to help me to be able to persevere a whole lot more than I used to. I don't want to just, you know, go for a little while and then, then be able to just say, okay, this is it. I want to be able to go for the long haul in Jesus' name. And I'm talking to good people here today. we got great people in this church. You know, I just heard recently that a man had, had issue with his car. And we got a wonderful man in this church. His name is Marvin. And Marvin has come to the rescue so many times. Now, you can do with that what you want. I call it God. Now, I don't want you, you know, banging down his door at 6 in the morning, okay? Give this guy a little slack. But the bottom line is, folks, that's just one of many examples. I got to work with a couple of guys this past week. Well, they did the work I watched. Get to my age, you get to do more of that, okay? Wonderful guys. Great worth ethic. Painted my fence. We paid them. Painted my fence and my deck. And I was out there last night going, boy. I never seen it look that great before. And you say, well, man, what's that? That's God. Amen. Every once in a while, you know, after I eat a bunch of junk, you know, this guy turns up at my doorstep, and he's got this food that if I ate everything he gave me, I'd weigh about 600 pounds by now. But he's a phenomenal cook. And this is what got me thinking on this trend this morning. I'm looking around this church, and please, if I skipped you, I'll, I'll get to you later. But we got so many blessings in this church. God has brought some people together, amen, so that we can understand that we don't have to, you know, get out the big checkbook all the time, that we can allow the blessings of God to flow through his body in Jesus' name. And I'm going to tell you something right now. One of the goals that God has for you as, a, as an individual human being is he's not all the time bent on blessing you. That's where we make a huge mistake, and that's where we need him to tap us on the shoulder. What God wants to help you to become is a blessing to others. It will flow, folks. There will be things that will chain react and happen that we never, ever imagined in Jesus' name. And this is just one of, of many instances, praise God. You come, sis, we're going to sing. But I'll tell you something, hang around for a few minutes. Let God talk to you about this specific message. Not because I preached it, but because of where you're at right now. Now, we, we prayed, and I believe it happened. I believe your conscience is alive. I believe it is quickened. And I believe in the next few minutes, God can speak to you, maybe in the way that he used to. And you can begin to follow that. And you can begin to get some results in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's like give God an opportunity to react. Now, you can do many things. You can stand. You can kneel. You can sit. You can come to this altar. It's all, it's all in the plan in Jesus' name. 
Amen. But I believe that God is here in the name of Jesus to do great things.
right. 